You're listening to Speaking Stellar Girl with Terry Tkachuk, an interview series that inspires women to live their most stellar life. Terry is the co-founder of the Stellar Girl Movement, and she is sitting down with women all over the world to hear about the key moments in their lives and how they live boldly, compassionately, and ultimately became a stellar girl. Welcome to Speaking Stellar Girl. My name is Terry Tkachuk, and I'm thrilled today to have Brooke Danielson joining me. Uh, Brooke is a fashion editor and stylist, social media strategist, and an on-air personality. She's worked with Shape, Glamour, Vogue.com, InStyle.com, and she's a nine-time marathoner. She also guides disabled athletes for the Achilles um, International Organization. Um, Brooke has many, many passions, and I'm so excited to have her on Speaking Stellar Girl today. Today, she's in Florida, but uh, she um, lives and resides in Aspen um, and a New Yorker. So welcome, Brooke. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So um, let's dive into a little bit of your um, past experience as a fashion editor, which is almost every girl's dream who loves fashion. Um, what was that like and any advice for our listeners to who want to get into it now? Because it's so much different and so much di difficult to even integrate into that space. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be an intimidating space. I have had and had a wonderful 10 plus year career in it. I'm very, very fortunate. Um, but I also worked really hard at it. It's not something you can kind of step into and think that the career is going to happen. You've got to go make it happen. And it is hard work and it is not as glamorous, I think, as most people want to think that it is. But there's so much reward in reward and the hard work and the people you meet. Um, so I went to Parsons School of Design and I interned all the while. And my first internship was at Halston and I got to work right with Liz Giardina, who's the fashion director designer there yes. at the time. Phenomenal. And working right alongside her, which was great. So I learned a lot and um, I was always running to the garment district and all these things. But eventually I landed an internship after some persistence with Vogue. And I kind of sought out anyone I knew, family, friend, or a friend who was interning there or an editor there. And eventually they hired me to be an accessories intern my sophomore year when I was at Parsons. And that kind of changed everything for me. I, okay. I thought I wanted to be a designer, but when I was really in the professional working world, and that's the point of internships, you see what's going on, you work hard, you assist the people that are doing those jobs and you learn. So I knew pretty quickly I wanted to be an editor. Okay. And it's telling stories through accessories. It's telling stories through clothing. And there's so much more that goes into it, but just to be behind the scenes and help a photo shoot happen. And then I got to assist Tani Goodman on set for a photo shoot with um, this model that I absolutely loved at the time and still do. And it just kind of changed everything for me. My, like my eyes just opened to a world that I knew I wanted to be in. And That's I worked, phenomenal. you know, I think I worked really hard. And then I went out to LA and interned in that office with um, Lauren Howell, who was an incredible yes. stylist. Lisa Love was in the office at the time. And um, then this girl, Brenna, that I kind of reported directly to. So I spent a summer in LA. They asked me to come back to New York. And then I just decided to travel with my family and focus on my senior thesis at Parsons. But eventually, let's say it's circle back a year and a half later, I went to Vogue.com to be, uh, to work with my um, friend Amalia Karmitsis, who was their accessories editor, and um, 
we had a great time working together. And then she said, you know, Glamour is hiring for an accessories assistant. It's an incredible job. You should go for it. <laughs> and at the same time, uh, in Teen Vogue was looking for a fashion assistant. Okay. So I went up for both roles, and um, which is kind of unheard of. It does happen. And I got both positions, but decided Fantastic. to go with Glamour. And that's kind of when everything really took off for me. And you said that now you were also transitioned to shape, which is which was a great focus for you because you're so into health and wellness. So tell me a little bit about shape. Well, to tell you a bit about shape, I need to go back to my Vogue time because okay. when I was at, so I went to Glamour, then back to Vogue, and okay. I went to Vogue.com with Sally Singer and Jordan Bickham and this really cool crew that was that was there at the time and. When I was working at Vogue.com, a brand approached me basically to come join their team. I, well, I was at Glamour and I was asked to um, to run for charities. So that was my first half marathon. But my first marathon happened while I was an editor at Vogue. And okay. I decided I was going to run for the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. And I had brands really helping support my athletic ventures, whether that was a sneaker brand getting behind me and saying, test these sneakers, we want to help out, or an athletic brand you know, sending running tights or earbuds, whatever they could do to support. And that's when I trained for and executed my first full marathon, which is the New York City Marathon while I was working in Vogue. That's, and that's I incredible. have always been, really, it was really fun. And it was emotional. It was so cool. All the I cheering, all the cheering, all, all the, the people. Yeah. yeah. And you see people literally of like all different walks of life running and you're on the same course with the same finish line, you know, all working towards this goal. And it's, it's really cool to see. It makes me emotional. Every time I run one, I cry. Um, That's awesome. So while I was at Vogue, my first marathon, I'd always been a really healthy eater. Okay. Growing up, I've had my own kind of path and adventure and um, through health and wellness. And I was a vegan. I became plant-based in college so at that time now I'm running marathons and plant-based and I just dove so much deeper into that space because mm -hmm. it, it made me feel so good. Good. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and, and then my path started shifting and people started picking up on that health and wellness vibe. And, um, then shape approached me and said, would you like to be our fashion director or, you know, fashion and lifestyle director? And then I took on that role. Um, at Shape Magazine for Meredith Corporation. I worked with Jen uh, Barthol, who is an editor there and still there. And she's so incredible. And the two of us kind of just took the fashion department and we charged forward to, to bring fashion, but also meeting fashion with the wellness component to the book, the magazine, okay. um, if you will. Yes. And, that, you you know, and then began my Shape journey. Well, I think, I mean, I'm a magazine flipper. Um, I love the actual holding of the magazine. I love being outside with a magazine versus my Kindle or my computer, my laptop, whatever. I love the process of flipping. I love tearing sheets for inspiration for a pose or, you know, something you want to buy. Or you just forget and you just tear it out and put it by your bedside. Um, how do you think the transition is now? Because everyone is getting their, their magazines online and it's, 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 I, I, I miss the flipping. I still subscribe to everything and I still get the, all the paper. Well, I'm on your page and I am such a tangible creature. I love to feel texture. I love to flip pages. I love holding a magazine or a book in my hand. Mm -hmm. 
you know, obviously digital is incredibly important and all of the online platforms, magazines have moved to online. We have certainly seen some magazines cease print. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the day Glamour did, that was such a sad day, but also yeah. they're thriving in the digital sense. And to have access to, let's say, a shape.com where you can look at the best ab moves or read all about a great recipe or an inspiring story, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I see the value in both. And I hope that we don't ever completely lose print, which I, we won't. Um, you know, it's just going to shift the way in which um, people deliver their information mm-hmm. and how it's, I think, sliced and diced, you know, so X content is for print and X content is for .com and different stories work for different platforms. I miss WWD in the newspaper form. I do. Mm-hmm. I miss that. Cause that was my magazine. I didn't read the financial times or the New York post or <laughs> I always, I was like, I just, I loved having this in front of me and having those, you know, the colors and, and seeing, I don't know, it's just a different experience now that everything's online and you just got to scroll and flip and click and you miss things and all the ads get interjected. And I don't know, it's just, it's a different feeling for me. Um, maybe it's my generation, but um, I, I, I do, I do miss it tremendously. So let's circle back to how your plant-based um, future um, and how you're using your coaching. Um, and I, you told me you were a certified coach, a uh, uh, lifestyle coach with Corn- from Cornell, I believe. So T. Call, yes, from the T. Colin Campbell School of Nutrition Studies. And um, I was so fortunate to take a summer course there and get certified in plant-based nutrition. It took about three to four months and intense studying and tests and seminars. Uh, and so I, I'm now a certified plant-based coach, which was a goal of mine. And I have a few other goals in this space, but that's where I'm at right now. I've been plant-based for, my goodness, 12, 13, 14 years. I've lost count. People ask me, I should probably go and calculate it, (laughs) but I have a solid answer at this point, but I've lost track. And this all stemmed from an elimination diet. I had a skin issue and my Mm -hmm. dermatologist couldn't figure it out. I've always been an athlete. I've always been so keen to healthy eating. I was that child that packed trail mix or ate quinoa and millet before it was a trendy thing. Right. Um, but, and then I had my own struggles with an eating disorder and I had to navigate that with a nutritionist. And I learned a lot more about different types of eating and grains and whatnot. So fast forward to college, we're figuring out this skin issue. And my dermatologist said, you know, have you ever thought about eliminating X, Y, and Z instead of giving me a pill or topical ointment, it was let's get to the root of what this is. And I'm so grateful to her because it's really important to kind of look inward. What are you feeding your body? What are you fueling it with? Mm-hmm. Um, because it all projects outward. Of course. And through elimination, I basically went very, very strict vegan to a sense. So no, no animal, dairy. No, dairy. no dairy. Dairy, I think was the biggest culprit. And I w- really wasn't eating dairy at the, too much of it at the time. But I definitely was tweaking things. And then I was, you know, 0%, no animal in my diet whatsoever. And the skin problem healed itself. Yeah. And then my gut started healing. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't as bloated. And my my brain function, I felt more clear and more happy. And to me, that's that was huge. And so then, you know, through my journey, I've just learned to be more clean through time. And how to get smart with cooking at home and batch cooking and what that looks like. Um, 
taking the time on a Sunday to cook grains and peel Correct. vegetables and yes. chop them. And I like to get really organized in that sense. Um, I'm sure your make fridge is all organized with Tupperwares <laughs> full of, or glass yeah. Tupperware probably full of different cut up veggies and and apples and tofu and cilantro. I've got tons of herbs, rosemary, dill. I love to make this dill tofu dip that I um, roast potatoes and I dip them in. I'll do sweet potatoes and I'm oil free. So there's that as well. And it does present challenges. When I eat at restaurants, I have to be a little more, a little more lenient. Um, so no but, avocado yeah. oil or olive oil to cook your food? I will use them. So I cook quite a bit for my boyfriend and for my friends. And I'm not going to subject them to my strict plant-based ways, but I do cook vegan and I'll use a little bit of avocado oil because that's a high heat burning oil. Um, I'll try to get, you know, a really good organic extra virgin olive oil. I'm really into the brand Brightland because most oils in this country are rancid. People don't know that. And it causes a lot of gut issues. Mm -hmm. And so I try to really source the best oils I can and I will cook very minimally with that for other people. I, I hear, like, I, I travel a lot as you do um, yourself, which we'll get to in a quick second. But I, I when I go to Europe or even when, when I'm, you know, when I, even when I was in, like, Iceland, which I guess is part of over there, and, and even parts of most parts of Asia, Japan, they, I feel so much better eating their food. Like, you open up a bag. I can, I can eat a French baguette in, I mean, I, I'm... I'm very, I love, I'm, I am also a healthy eater. I'm not vegan. Um, I'm more of a vegetarian, but I, I do eat bread on occasion. And when I go over there, when I travel to Europe, I eat the baguette. I, I feel I could eat the croissant. I, and I don't get sick from it. My gut doesn't hurt. I, I don't break out because all the preservatives in the food in America, especially because I'm Canadian and even there, I find that I can eat their fresh bread if it's, it's made locally. In Canada, in the U.S., I find that all of our food has so much sodium. It has so many preservatives. Um, you know, I feel you open up a bag of chips even in Europe and they go bad the next day or crackers even. Not that I eat chips and crackers, but you, you, do, I mean, do you, do you see like it's just they, it doesn't last long because there's no preservatives to make it last. And here I feel sick. You're not the only one. And I had this conversation over and over again at nauseum with one of my best friends, Catherine Zambetti. And we talk about this all the time and how we feel much better eating overseas in yes. Europe and whatnot, as opposed to the US. I mean, this is a much bigger conversation and deeper conversation, but I'm really interested in agriculture <laughs> part two. I'm, I'm such an agrophile. I love talking about and learning about farming and and um, we do not grow enough food for humans. We're growing more for livestock and our farming practices are pretty backwards. I feel badly for the small farmer who's trying to grow crop in a really like ethical, organic way. Um, and also the food industry is backwards. So I, you know, that's a whole other thing. Yes. I'm constantly grocery shopping because I'm so produce heavy. So right. things go goes bad really quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really rare to to see packaged foods around me or with me. Um, there are a few brands I trust and a few things I find are okay while traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very like strict uh, snack regime. I always make sure I'm bringing food with me when I travel because I try to eat 
so clean. Um, but then I've also come up with kind of my own tips and tricks on when I'm eating in an airport or and when I'm in another country, I like to always do a little bit of research ahead of time. Um, you know, I did go to Tokyo two summers ago and I ate fish because I was with a world renowned sushi chef and he made me this gorgeous plant-based sushi platter while all of my friends were making sushi with him and eating gorgeous bluefin tuna and all these different types of fish. And from a cultural standpoint, I didn't want to A, offend him and B, I thought he has spent all morning sourcing the best fish at the fish market. Right. And, you know, his friend probably went out and caught these, that these fish. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I was making a negative environmental impact and B, from a cultural standpoint, I wanted to honor his work and C, I thought, well, fish, it's okay. I'll try it. Um, I'm not going to go and eat a steak or a piece of lamb, but that's my belief. And I'm not judging anyone else. Of course. Yes. Um, So I did actually have a little bit of fish in Tokyo and I was okay and it didn't make me sick. And it was a really interesting and fun experience. Yeah. I love, I do love fish. I do too. And I also love carbohydrates and I'm a big advocate for them. If you're eating the right kind of carbohydrates and I think they're just so there's so much mixed messaging in the U S in particular, on body image and what we should and shouldn't eat and these prepackaged diet meals. Oh. These, you know, do you remember Snackwells? I do remember Snackwells. I mean, everyone's like, everyone's eating boxes of Snackwells because they're fat free. And I'm just like, this is like the worst possible thing you can put into your body. <laughs> Absolutely. And fat doesn't have to be bad. Carbohydrates no, I, don't have to no, be bad. Even I love sodium. avocados. I eat a whole one out of the out of its Same. skin every, every day, at least I think I, and I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so much fat. I'm like, um, we need that healthy fat. So well, think about it. Avocado or a bag of Doritos, I, an avocado or a synthetic snack, an avocado or an Oreo. I mean, you really have to weigh what it is that's worth it to you, but look at the fuel you put in your body. Absolutely. The message I also want to send to young girls and boys and people like, is that, you have to respect your body and love right. it and own it and treat it well. And, you know, it's your choice, what you're eating, what you're putting in your body. But at the end of the day, it, to eat whole plants and fruits and veggies, I mean, grains, they're all, those are all really great things. And if we start consuming more of that, maybe we can support the farmers more. I, I right? love that you're so passionate about this. Yeah, I am. I clearly am. I no, like and I love up. it. You light up and it's, that's fantastic. That's well, we're here at Solar Girl to find your passion and to, and to pursue it um, and promote it with purpose. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I absolutely love that. So let's go back to traveling just a bit, because I know that you love to travel. Um, what, where do you want to go or where do you miss when this is all over? <gasps> I miss Paris. Mm-hmm. I miss traveling in general. I, I feel alive the minute I get on an airplane somewhere. Yes. I just can't wait to get to the destination. And when I'm on the destination, I'm so excited. Where am I looking to go? Um, I really want to do Thailand desperately. Um, I'll do anywhere in Africa. Safari, a safari is on my bucket list. Mine too. Um, yeah. And then I'd like to go back to Japan and ski because I have only been there in the summer. It's sweltering hot and Japan is wonderful and their culture is so beautiful. It is. Um, 
but I'd like to go back and experience some deep powder skiing in Japan. In Japan. Well, you're an Aspen skier and you ski apex. So that's one of the toughest mountains I've ever skied. So that's been, you got to get to Vancouver though. Whistler black home, put that on your list as soon as they open up those borders. I will. And I know some people up in Canada that I need to go skiing with and they're pro athletes. And I know that they'll just like take me on all the great things. Yeah. Mike Wigley so helicopter skiing. They'll take you right, right up to the top and just drop. you. That's I'm awesome. terrified of helicopters, oh. but it is my bucket list. <laughs> up there. Give it a shot. Give it, yeah. give it a shot. I love Japan. Um, I found, I love their culture there as well. I, the, everyone's so respectful. There is no I don't know if you know this, if you, you've been to Japan, I have, yes. they have, so that you know that there's no garbage cans that they, you have to carry your garbage everywhere. I love that. I, I get into a, a cab and like no talking on your phone. Everything's white doilies. Like they're just so clean, respectful, the way they eat, the way they treat each other. Um, I find that there's so much hope and faith in their culture as well. They also live so long because of their diet. Their skin is beautiful. Like the South Korean women, their skin, I just is just gorgeous. Their skincare over there as well. So we definitely need to make some changes or import some really good products over here. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Yeah. And and another travel is I was just a while ago visiting a girlfriend and her significant other at their place in Norfolk outside of the outside of London. Okay. And they have this land, this farmland, and it is so tranquil out there. I had zero cell reception and I've never felt more relaxed. I mean, it was just such a beautiful way of life. And we walked the the grounds and we just like soaked up the sunshine that when it, they had it and you'd see all the animals around the alpacas and and the sheep. And it was so calming. It was simple, but it was very calming. I definitely, it's on my list every single day to do something where I don't have to take my phone. Oh, I love that. So I just want to, you just want to go somewhere and just do it and experience things. You don't even bring it with you and forget about the photo, forget about, you know, that photo we need to capture for our post today or whatever we need to do and just be. Mm-hmm. Um, but But you bring up a good point, social media and the post of what you're doing. And that's always been such a tricky, it's a tricky for me. Okay. Where, you know, there are people that do reach out quite a bit and ask, you know, plant-based lifestyle and how do you run a marathon? And I get quite a bit of questions and I always want to answer them wholeheartedly and like authentically. So I am very careful about the content that I do put out so that it doesn't trigger anyone in some way, hopefully. And it's only helping support someone to want to be healthier, feel better. Yeah. And speaking of supportive women, that's what we are at Stellar Girl. We, we like to take care. And I always say we have to champion ourselves first, as you mentioned earlier, to take care of our, what we put inside of us and what we put on our skin and inside of our bodies and exercise because that everyone's on video games or sitting down on their phones all the time. And we forget about taking care of our bodies um, because it's not doing us our minds any good if we're always, you know, constantly on our phones, there's got to be some sort of balance. But then I don't like that word either because balance means the teeter totter isn't moving. So Mm. I'm also careful with that word because I don't want to be balanced. I want to be 
doing both things at the same time. But I mean, do you, do you find yourself like when you're training, cause you've ran nine marathons and, and in Boston and New York, have you thought about doing any overseas or have you? I have. Okay. Where? Yes. Tell me. I ran the London marathon. Okay. How is that? Uh, it was so incredible. Okay. I, I mean, talk about diversity cultures from all over. It was just one of the most wonderful days. And I ran on the team heads together. And that was the Royal Foundation, Prince William, Prince Harry, and um, the Duchess of Cambridge's initiative. And I got to run on their first go at it. And I ran for Place to Be, which is one of the particular charities that um, Kate Middleton oversees. So I got to run for the national uh, or for the Royal charity. And then afterward, I went to a private reception with them as a thank you for running on their team. So I raised money wow. and awareness for mental health. So it was all around mental health, That's which incredible. I support hugely. So mental health and the multiple myeloma research foundation are, you know, two charities causes that I'm very passionate about. Um, and then also Achilles international. So I ran London, which was wonderful. And then the other eight were all in the U.S. Okay. Let's talk more about Achilles and uh, your Achilles Foundation. And oh, sure. Yeah. I would say probably five years ago at this point. Again, I'm losing track of time as I get older. Um, I was in Central Park training for one of the marathons. I believe it was my New York City marathon. And I would often run from Tribe Tribeca all the way to the Upper West Side or East Side and cut into Central Park. And I do the bridal path. And if um, I'm sure many people know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know, it's a popular running path in New York City. And I would see these uh, fluorescent shirts, these really bright yellow neon shirts. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you're frozen. And I was like, what is this group? That is so cool. And um so I just did a little bit of Googling and I read more about it and it's pairing disabled athletes with able-bodied athletes. And I put in an application and, and I think within a day or two, I had a response, please come out to a practice. And they gave me the two times, Tuesdays and Saturdays. And I showed up on a Tuesday evening after work okay. in my running clothes, ready to go. I knew nobody. It was like being a kid at a new school in a new city where you knew not a soul and you kind of had to dive in. Okay. And the first guy I ran with was a friend of mine named James and James has limited vision and hearing and we, we buddied up and I think we ran maybe like two or so miles together. Awesome. And that was my first time guiding. I was incredibly nervous, but then every practice I went to, I got more and more comfortable and I met more people. And then I became friends with this group, this group of people. And then lo and behold, I meet this girl, Melissa, who is now one of my best friends and Mel has severely limited vision. And, um, so I'll, I guide her to help her be her eyes on the road. And I've That's run with incredible. incredible. Wow. Yeah. Great friends. Mel and I have run marathons and have all around the country together. So we've traveled together and um, we're great girlfriends and I'm friendly and friends with many people in the organization. So it's just, it's really important to raise awareness for this. There are people out there that may need some help, whether it's running or walking or taking part in any sport, a triathlon, um, an Ironman, whatever it is that's athletic, even skiing, they may need some help. And I'm just happy to be uh, of help to certain athletes. 
I love that you have so many passion projects and you like shine and glow whenever you talk about them, you know, your, your eyes light up. You're just, you're just so animated about when you talk about what you love to do. And I, that's phenomenal. That's my friend Molly told me that one. She's like, you really are so passionate. I'm like, oh, thank you. So you have a lot of passion. It's, you know, she's like, it's refreshing to meet someone with a lot of passion. It is. It is. And you're so easy to talk to. So oh, I really appreciate you. that you came and joined us today and shared, um, you know, your story and your journey and how you got to where you came. Um, I, I, we at Seller Girl, we champion other women and um, I champion you. I support everything that you do and what you stand for and all of your organizations that you contribute your time to. Um, and I think your holistic approach to your lifestyle is, is awesome and should be explored and talked about more, especially here in the U.S., um, but I do want to um, end with one quick question. And um, that is, I, I ask all of my guests because we love to champion women here. Um, and today there's so much comparative space and competitive space. Um, how do you feel that we can champion women better? Oh my goodness. That is a great question. I think, oh, it could be as simple as just reaching out to someone that you care about and saying, how are you? Yes. And how can I support you? Yeah. And if you don't know how I can support you, like just know I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. And it's as simple as that. I love it's that. As as that. I love it doesn't that answer. It can no, be micro. Yep. Absolutely. And it's in small ways. Like you take your like three or four friends or even acquaintances that you've met and just text them and check in and wish them a great day. And support them just as easily as you said. Yes. So thank you so that's much for, advice. no, that's great advice. We should all take the time to check in with our friends and our girlfriends and people that have mentored you along the way. Cause you've had numerous female mentors and, and male mentors that have helped you in your career, um, got to where you are today. And I will maybe reach out to 10 of them today and check in on them. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's nice to talk with you. Yeah, you too. You have a beautiful day in sunny Florida. And, and uh, maybe next time I'm, we're in Aspen together, we can, we can share an apple or a fresh juice. <laughs> I'll take you skiing or hiking too. I would, I would love that. Thank you for joining us today, Brooke. And have an awesome day. You too. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell icon to be notified of new episodes. To learn more about the Stellar Girl movement, please visit us at StellarGirl.com.